You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Gans Dean uses the stories of Jacob, Job, and Joseph to illustrate the effects of joy that is fueled by faith in Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Every Nation Canberra. We are a church that exists to honor God and make disciples. Uh, Pastor Joe is not with us today. He and his family are in Melbourne. They're having a great time together. And because of that, uh, today you are stuck with some American accents coming in straight from Manila. <laughs> My name is Gans, for those of you who don't know me. And I'm one of the volunteers here at Every Nation Canberra. Now, most of you know me as Gans. What some of you might not know, actually, is that Gans is a nickname. It's actually short for Gannon. That's right, G-A-N-N-O-N. It's Irish, and it means fair skin. <laughs> but my parents didn't know that. My family name is Dean. And so for the Filipinos in the house, my name essentially is Ganundin, which is Filipino for like that. It's a weird name, I know, but my brother's name is John, which is a normal name as well, but Jandin. And I can kind of tell what generation you're in based on how you respond to my name. So if I introduce myself to you and, hi, my name is Gans, and I know that you're a child of the early 90s or the late 80s, if you go like, huh, Gans, as in Guns and Roses, because I've gotten that. And for those of you who don't know that, that's perfectly fine. I know that you're not a child of the 80s or the early 90s. But if I introduce myself to you as Gannon, I would know that you're either a child of the early 80s or a millennial, because if you play Legend of Zelda, you might know someone by the name of Ganondorf. And Ganondorf is this big warthog who's like the main enemy of Link. And if you're a fat kid in the 80s named after Ganon, who's a big pig, it's horrible, you guys. It absolutely is. And to those of you who are a little older, that's okay. For those of you in the 60s or the 70s, that's all right. My parents took care of you too, because my first name is James. James Dean. That's right. I'm a rebel with a cause. <laughs> it could be worse because my parents could have called me Aladdin, which is a whole new world of pain. I married a Chinese woman, so I don't have a Chinese name, but my, my son, when he was much younger, he asked, do you have a Chinese name? And I go, yeah, my, my, my Chinese name is Lucky Chan, which is a Filipino for big stomach. For years, people have been giving their kids really stupid names. Uh, in the Philippines, I know of this family, they named their daughters Spaghetti. That's legit and true. You can Google it. And so it's horrible. The good news is that we know that bad names can also be biblical. There are characters who have their own fair share of bad names. There's the son of Aram. His name is Mash. And the Bible doesn't tell us whether or not he likes potatoes. There was Amasia. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Amaziah, but I want to say Amasia because I'm ghetto like that. And Amasia, he was a priest of Bethel um, who was known for, he, he believed in his own power and not God's power. So God took away his position and God took away his family as well. And so I can pretty much tell you, I guess he didn't Amasia. And then there was this wise man named Chalcol. He was known for his wisdom, but he was also known for his skill with barbecue because you can't have barbecue without chalcol. Yes! Terribly sorry. I warned the preteens already that, you know, this is like a preteen service and you got to have dad jokes at the preteen service. And then there was Basimath. You read that. Yeah, it's, it's base math, isn't it? Right? So I'm pretty sure that base math, <laughs> it's pronounced Basimath. But hey, if you like algebra, it's all good. 
Uh, we have another one. He was a king in Genesis 10 who was known to be the leader of the people who built the Tower of Babel. What was his name? Nimrod. And then there was Mahershalal Hajbaj. Mahershalal Hajbaj was the son of Isaiah. From what I heard in school, they were taking tests, the kids are done, he's still writing his name. My personal favorite name in all the Bible, the son of Noah, of course, his name was Ham. It's always good to love Ham. So it's a fact of life that we sometimes will receive things that we don't necessarily deserve, like a bad name. Or if you're in school, sometimes you end up in a class with a terrible teacher. Or sometimes in the office, you're assigned to a supervisor who's just the worst supervisor in the world. Or sometimes, you know, you, like you're just in line at KFC, you order a box of KFC, and then you just get like the, the three chicken pieces that are like really, really small. And then you're like, I don't understand it. I can get a chicken at Costco for $6.99, and I'm going to go to KFC. I pay $12 for three pieces of chicken that are the size of a nugget. Are you kidding me? That's how it is sometimes. We have no control over some things that we don't deserve. And when we receive these bad things, it's perfectly normal to react in a not-so-positive way. No one's going to go, oh, look, it's a chicken wing the size of a nugget. Yes! People will think you're crazy. We know our state of feeling based on the emotions that we show. So when we show our emotions, it reveals the state that we're in. So I see a chicken wing, ah, oh, crazy, because he's rejoicing over a really small wing. But, and a state is not a trait. A state is a temporary way of being that gets influenced by our circumstances. It depends on what's happening. That's the state that we're in. Character traits are stable or enduring characteristics or patterns of behavior. So let's say you have someone like me, whose characteristic is typically positivity. So always smiling, welcoming people, you know, caramel and sunshine. And then let's say, for example, I run into, I'm in traffic. Of course, this example doesn't work in Canberra because there is no such thing as traffic here. But let's assume there is. So I'm in traffic and someone yells at me. And that affects me. That bothers me. And so all of a sudden, you run into me and I'm like, oh, what's happened to you? Because I'm all sad. You know the state that I'm in, and it's different because you can tell the difference of the state that I'm in because it's not the usual trait. It's not the usual state. I'm all distressed. And sometimes crying is a good way of showing that you're sad is when you cry. Is anybody here familiar with a singer by the name of Mandisa? Anybody? Oh, wonderful. Yay, three people. For the rest of you guys who don't know who Mandisa is, she was a contestant on American Idol season five, um, the year won by Taylor Hicks. So she got kicked out early in season five, but she launched into a contemporary Christian music career. And after that, she's had 13 top 10 hits, including two number ones. She's had five albums, four of which were nominated for Grammy Awards. So she's had a pretty good career. Ever since Mandisa came out in American Idol, I have been supportive of Mandisa even before the internet. So I'm a fan-disa, that's what they call us. The thing is, she's released five albums, three albums that were nominated for Grammys, didn't win. The fourth time she was nominated, I'm like, okay, congratulations, yes. And then I was driving to work one day, my wife was in the car with me, I found out that, so she won the Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Christian Album of the Year for her album Overcomer, which by the way, plug, is now a movie, check it out. So I find this out and I didn't quite know how to handle it, how to process that, and so I'm in my car and I'm driving and I start to cry. And my wife is wondering, 
what's going on? Why are you crying? And I'm like, you don't understand. She's been nominated. She deserves it so much. She finally got her thing. And my wife is just like, okay, whatever. But I cried tears of joy, you guys. It's an unusual response to an unexpected situation. And more on that later. Let's talk about joy. That's what we're talking about today. There's this really successful psychological tool called the Positive and Negative Effect Schedule, or PANAS. And the PANAS X measures positive and negative effects, and it defines joy as synonymous with some of these ideas. So let me show you. So joy can mean you're happy. It could mean delight. It could mean cheer or being cheerful. It could mean the state of being excited. It could mean enthusiasm. It could mean lively. And it could mean energetic. Now this is a pretty practical definition of joy, wouldn't you agree? Yeah? It's a practical definition of joy. It works. It's scientific. If the science is tight, it must be right. But biblical joy is different. Biblical joy is deeper. Biblical joy is supernatural, okay? Paul says in Galatians that joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit isn't there, it doesn't mean that the joy you're experiencing is not joy. It's just not biblical joy. Because biblical joy isn't the result of a happy little circumstance. It's the result of knowing that Jesus is within us. As the Gordon says, joy has its springs deep down, and the spring never runs dry despite the situation. So it's not influenced by cheesecake. It's not influenced by the Golden State Warriors. It's not influenced by Hotel Del Luna. It's not influenced by Chris Hemsworth. It's fueled by faith in Jesus. And it says in John 10, verse 10, that Jesus came so that we may have life and have life to the full. So let's break that down. Jesus came so that we might have a full life, right? And we are able to live life to the full through faith in Jesus. And Hebrews 12 verse 2 tells us that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And Hebrews 12 verse 1 also tells us that he is the source of joy. So as author of our faith, he is the source of our faith. As the perfecter of our faith, he molds it. He sustains it. And as the source of joy, he gives us the kind of joy that is able to endure through many trials until glory comes and we live happily ever after. So what does it mean to live life to the full? Imagine it kind of like driving from point A to point B. Let's say point A is where you are right now and point B is where you wanna get to, heaven, where you meet God face to face. I imagine that a life lived to the full is kind of like driving in a 2004 yellow Volkswagen Beetle with a tank full of petrol, with full air conditioning, with a sunflower on the vase, and fruits in the car, and Mandisa coming out of the stereo, or whatever your dream car is and your dream situation is on the way to the beach, okay? Getting from point A to point B, anyone can get there. We're all gonna get there, but only some of us can get there in style. 
So imagine what a life lived with faith-based joy can be like. It's that unexpected response to the unexpected situations. Imagine having joy when you lose everything you own and everyone you love. Imagine having joy when your family backstabs you and wants you dead. Imagine joy when you work seven years and don't get paid. That's tough, right? For the rest of this time, I'd like to talk about that biblical faith-based joy as that Jesus joy. And we're going to talk about it as an unusual response to an unexpected situation, born out of faith in God, who will sustain us through any trial. We're going to look at three stories in the Bible, three characters specifically, who went through rock-bottom situations, and we're going to learn three things about that Jesus joy. Are we cool? We're great? All right, great. Let's talk about Jacob. So, let's look at Jacob's rock bottom. He's running away. He's running away because his older brother wants to kill him. And why does Esau, his older brother, want to kill him? Well, first of all, Jacob steals his birthright by fooling Esau into exchanging it for a bowl of lentil soup. Have you ever had lentil soup? It's tasty, but it's not the best. It's not Lola and Lola's pork bagnet. Right? It's not a thick and juicy Australian steak, right? But he was able to exchange it, and now Esau has lost his birthright. Strike one. Then what happens is Jacob and his mom Rebecca get Esau's blessing through identity fraud. Basically, Isaac is an old iPhone, and Isaac's FaceTime is broken and Jacob basically manages to fool Isaac into thinking that he's Esau, and boom, his birthright is gone. Esau is mad. He's like, when dad's dead, I'm gonna kill you. And Jacob's like, ooh, And Esau's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you more, because you took everything from me. And so what does Jacob do? He has to run. And so he runs several, several miles until he gets to the house of his uncle Laban. He gets to Laban's house, he has no money, he has no job, but Laban offers him a job, which is great. And they work out their terms, and the terms that Jacob wants is, I'm going to work for you for seven years, for free, in exchange for the hand of your beautiful daughter, Rachel. How can you work for seven years without pay? Most of us work so hard for every dollar. How can you work for seven years without getting paid? Well, Genesis 29 verse 20 tells us, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. <laughs> Hold on for a second. I'm trying not to laugh harder. <coughs> you know how earlier I said how joy does not come from circumstance? The entire time that Jacob was working for Laban for free, because the Australian Fair Work Commission did not exist at the time, he was okay with that because... He was like, eyes on the prize. I am going to be married to the most beautiful woman I have in the world. It was fueled by a joy that motivated him to work for excellent work. It didn't matter to him that Esau was running after him. It didn't matter to him that he wasn't getting paid. All that mattered to him was that joy that he would one day be with his betrothed. Of course, we find out later that Laban tricks him and exchanges Rachel for her older sister Leah. 
It's the worst trade in the history of the world until 1996 when the Hornets trade Kobe Bryant to the Lakers. And of course, Jacob is furious, but he does not let that steal his joy. It's true. He didn't take it out on Laban. He didn't take it out on poor Leah. He just worked the seven additional years for Rachel. And the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe the same thing that we read there. I believe that it still seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Worldly joy relies on external sources to happen, but faith-based joy, that Jesus joy, is always with us. When we have worldly joy, it can go away if things go awry, but biblical joy, it stays with us and motivates us into action. So, my rhyme for you for this first point, worldly joy just makes us wait, but Jesus joy can motivate. Put that in a sticker. <laughs> and then we have Job. Let's talk about Job. Job's rock bottom is the absolute worst that I can imagine can happen to anybody. Job had family. Job had health. Job had wealth. And Satan was triggered. So Satan goes to God and says, you know, he's only happy because you've given him all this stuff. Take it away. He'll curse you to your face. And God says, no, no, he's with me. And so God gives him permission to smite him. And Satan smites so bad. All his wealth is gone. His entire family dead. Except for his nagging wife. Now, married man here, I'm pretty sure that God did not give you naggers. But I tell you right now, this wife was queen of the negas. Nega is what you call people who were negative. You call them nega. This wife was not a nega. She was a naga because she was a nagger and negative. So we shall call her naga. And her husband was sick, and her husband was suffering. And what does this loving, beautiful, caring wife who used to be rich do? She tells him, curse God and die. That's what she does. And then he has three friends. <laughs> it's not over. He has three friends. Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. That last name sounds like something my kids would say when they go to buy a video game and they tell the cashier, hello, this is Animal Crossing, please build that. But anyway, so he has these three friends, and these three friends are like the most hypocritical people in the world. They're like, you must be in this situation because you must have done something horrible and God is punishing you. So with friends like that and a wife like that, rock bottom. Horrible. But what does Job do? He protests his innocence, and he continues to defend and trust God. It says here in Job 6, verse 10, Then I would still have this one consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. What brought Job joy in the midst of all this suffering, in the midst of all this torture, was the fact that he continued to trust God. He continued to praise God, and he demanded answers from God. And you know what? God answered him. God spoke to him. And that's huge, because that shows how important Job was to God. I'd like to introduce you to two very good friends of mine. This is Jordan, and this is Ruchi. They're churchmates of mine from Manila, members of our tag group. I've known Jordan for more than 15 years, and we've been together with Jordan and Ruchi in church for almost 10. And they're absolutely lovely people. 
They're so amazing with my kids, actually. They have a really good relationship with my kids. And their parents, without a child. That was a problem. And so they've wanted kids for so, so long. They had one miscarriage, and then they had two. And then finally, there was a third. And the third one took. So Ruchi finally got pregnant. And then sometime during the pregnancy, they discovered that the baby was not developing as well as it should have. And doctors advised that if they carried the baby to term, this baby would most likely not survive. And so we and several other couples in the church began to storm the gates of heaven with prayer. We fasted for weeks. And people who know me know that fasting is not my thing. <laughs> and one day, Jordan calls me up and says, Ruchi's gone into labor. So I rush to the hospital to meet up with Jordan. And when I get there, Jordan tells me that baby Rafa, he didn't make it. And he was born and didn't make it. And it felt like I was punched in the stomach. I remember standing there with Jordan, looking at his beautiful baby, and I remember thinking, I can't imagine what it's like to lose one of my kids, and here I am with one of my favorite men in the world watching him lose his. And remarkably, over the next few days, we came together to try to minister to them. And it felt like the tables were turned because it felt like they were ministering to us. I mean, don't get me wrong. We knew they mourned for Rafa. But we felt that there was a peace in how they responded to his loss. You could feel that there was an inner joy because they knew that they would one day be reunited with him. And the grace that they had and the situation that they had, the way that they supported each other, and the way that they continued to praise and trust God, it was simply amazing. Job lost his family, but never his faith. Jordan and Ruchi lost their baby, but never their joy. Because worldly joy can disappear, but Jesus' joy helps you persevere. Finally, I'd like to bring up Joseph. He's the son of Jacob, and he's the last character we'll be looking at today. Joseph was the 11th of 12 sons of Jacob. And clearly, he was his father's favorite. He was given a special multicolor coat well before tie-dye was invented. And he was given preferential treatment by his father. Now, Joseph brothers called him that dreamer. That name came in part because Joseph had a couple of dreams, which, of course, he told his parents and told his brothers about, where he was the center of the universe and everyone else was just bowing to him. You all know that dream? You all know that story, right? They called him that dreamer. You know, I imagine also partly because Joseph did not go out with his brothers to take care of the sheep. He was always inside with his dad. His dad never had him go out to handle the sheep. So his brothers, understandably, were very jealous of that dreamer. So what did they do? One day they plotted to kill him. Ultimately, they sold him into slavery, 
And so basically the son of a wealthy landowner is now a slave, sold into the household of somebody where he continues to do well, but then the wife of his owner has the hots for him. He runs away, ends up in jail again, and he spends years forgotten and alone in prison. So that's Joseph's rock bottom. Did he feel badly about it? Maybe. The Bible says in Genesis 39, verses 2, 21, and 22, that the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. Joy does not allow anger and bitterness to prosper. That Jesus' joy rises above that. Instead, it gives us strength to go on. We find out later in Genesis 50 that Joseph bears no ill will towards his brothers. He forgives them. He tells them that what they had intended for evil, God instead made for good. Whatever God's plans are for us, he intends to accomplish them through us. And we know that these are good plans. Because worldly joy prioritizes man. Jesus' joy embraces God's plan. Last story. When my wife and I got married 17 years ago, this was well before the era of Waze and Google Maps. And so we decided for our honeymoon to go to this really fancy resort called Villa Escudero, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Manila. And neither Katz nor I had ever been there. So we bought this road map and sat on the wide open road on the way to Villa Escudero, only to discover <laughs> that the road map ends <laughs> before the province of Villa Escudero. So it stops there. So we ended up in Cavite. We ended up at the house of Philippine President Emilio Aguinaldo, which sucked because number one, we didn't go in. And no, we, did, we just drove by. And number two, it was nowhere near Villa Escudero. We were lost. We ended up on this mountain, going up on this mountain where there were these wooden stakes with little plastic bags with colored water. It felt like the Blair Witch Project, y'all. And we were so lost, we had to go back. And because nighttime was falling, we ended up in this resort, this pool resort, where we got a room that had a queen bed, but it wasn't a queen bed, it was two twins that they put together and covered with a queen sheet. And my knees would go through the floor, and there was this karaoke guy singing all by myself. My wife wasn't pleased. It took three years for her to forgive me and a trip to Puerto Princesa to get over that disastrous honeymoon trip. But the point is, man can plan all he wants, but Proverbs 19 verse 21 tells us that man's heart can plan his way, but God still directs his steps. We may not know what God's purposes are for the seasons that we're in, and we may not know the details of his plan, but we can rest assured that unlike my honeymoon, God knows where we're going. And so the good news is that the joy, that Jesus joy, the joy that comes from Jesus is more than enough to sustain us whether we're high there on the mountaintop or whether we are deep down in the valley. So that Jesus' joy 
it can motivate, it can help us persevere, and it can help us embrace God's plan so that we can be empowered to live life to the full, to triumph over difficult situations, and to be used for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you that your son Jesus lives inside us. We thank you that because of your son, we may have life and live life to the full. We thank you that your son is the author and perfecter of our faith. That as author, he is the source of our faith. That as perfecter, he molds our faith and sustains our faith so that we may have that Jesus joy. Lord, this morning, we declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon formed by the enemy shall prosper. Today, Lord, we declare that we are more than conquerors by the blood of your Son. And we declare that nothing will ever be able to steal our joy. Lord, we pray, remind us Remind us, God, that you are our source of joy. Bring us into a place, Lord, where our state is always dependent on the knowledge that Jesus lives inside us. And Father, give us the grace, give us the wisdom, and give us the strength to persevere in situations where we otherwise would have our joy stolen. Lord, you see the hands of your children raised today. And you know what they are going through. You know their situation and you know their suffering. Lord, today we declare in the name of Jesus that you are Lord over their situations that you are their Jehovah Jireh and you will provide. We declare that you are their Jehovah Rapha and you will heal. We declare that you are their Jehovah Nisi and you are their banner, that by their victory, your name will be glorified. So thank you, Jesus, for the healing that you were sending. Thank you, Jesus, for the provision that you are sending. Thank you, Jesus, for the reconciliation that you are sending. Thank you, Jesus, for the restoration that you are sending. Thank you, Jesus, for the promotion that you are sending. Thank you, Jesus, for the patience that you are sending to the people who have been begging you for patience to deal with the situations that they have now. Thank you, Jesus, for the wisdom that you are sending for the people who are asking you for wisdom 
in dealing with what life seems to have given them. Lord, we know that you have given us everything. And we also know that you will never give us something that we will not be able to carry. So thank you, God, for the strength that you are sending as well. Father, we have found our fortress in you. We have found our refuge in you. And today, Lord, even as we celebrate you and we celebrate the victory that you are about to send, Lord, thank you for the joy. Thank you for the boundless, unending, overflowing joy that is about to come by your Son, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. And God's people said, amen and amen. Let's continue to worship, everybody. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our official website at encanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.